Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, this is Anupa Mystery, and you're listening to Burnout. Short conversations about creative sustainability with working artists from Toronto and beyond. I started this project because I was burnt out. I've been writing and producing stories about the arts for years, and I kind of lost myself in the work. A year ago, I was too scared to pick up a pen and write down a private thought. The idea of making work for myself was paralyzing, and I didn't want to live the rest of my life like that. So today, I'm sharing a project that I produced and managed to edit all by myself, with some recording help from Vocal Fry Studios in Toronto. When I came up with the idea for this project, I really just wanted to get some inspiration from really my friends and my community, people who I saw making work, and it kind of seemed like they had endless capacity to just keep doing that. I hope these conversations will keep you going, and if you're already going... I hope that they'll introduce you to some wonderful people who are doing some really cool things to make Toronto and where they live a great place. So this one time I had to go to Ottawa for a music conference and I went to see Lido Pimiento's show and opening for her was Sidani. Now, I don't know if I can communicate just how wicked and bizarre it is to be in Ottawa of all places, watching a young woman from Jane and Finch wrap her ass off talking about living on stolen land. It was one of those moments that reminded me of why I care so much about changing the narrative of what it means to identify and be seen as Canadian. I talked to Sidani because I wanted to know what it's like to be an artist with less of an infrastructure, someone from the city who's really just on a DIY tip. How do you keep going when it's so hard to get started? And how does your neighborhood or the block where you grew up on affect the way that you make art? Here's my conversation with Sidani. I took the bus to, to Downsview Station, or what is now known as Shepherd West. Nobody's ever calling it that. There's going to be like a generation of kids not too far from now who don't know what a Downsview Station is. Right, right. But yeah. do you think that Bessarian is totally normal? I uh, No. <laughs> Like, why? I'm always here to slander Basarian Station. <laughs> and there's, like, nobody coming out of anywhere to, like, rep it. Like, not. Like, this is the block. Like, shout out to Basarian. Like, nobody's doing that. It's not happening. I'm so dead. <laughs> Fucking Basarian. I hate it so much. 
So I feel like where you're from is kind of important to how you present yourself publicly as an artist. Mm -hmm. I never mention the fact that I'm from Toronto, actually. It's like Jane Street, Ontario. I'm joking. (laughs) But um, my neighborhood is like really notorious in Mm -hmm. Toronto for a lot of reasons. And like art is not one of them right now. It's really important to me for me to like have a voice and let people know where I'm from. And also I consider myself to be like an alternative, like artsy something, which I don't feel like, again, is like seen where I'm from. Like you don't see people who make art the way that I do coming out of Finch. Describe your neighborhood for people who haven't been there. The hospital I was born in is on Jane. Like my grandma's house that she lived in for 20 odd years is on Jane. Everything is on Jane. There's no one kind of person or experience from Jane and Finch. Like, you'll find people who, you know, there's people who lived in, like, the complexes in, like, Toronto housing, whatever, but there's, like, people who have their, you know, round-the-back Italian houses. That's what we call, (laughs) like, in the hood, like... We call, like, those townhouses they're not, that are not in the complexes. When we were kids, we just used to call them Italian houses. Like, no matter who lived there, like, it could be very not Italian people. They are the Italian houses. But um, what I've experienced in, like, growing up in Jane and Finch is having so many different contexts of blackness. Mm-hmm. I think that's, like, really important in terms of where I come from. Finch is, like, the black melting pot. It's where black people from everywhere, Somalia, Ethiopia, Ghana, Nigeria, Jamaica, St. Vincent. You're not coming out of Finch ignorant of where Black people exist. Mm -hmm. It's definitely, like, developed my understanding of culture a lot. And, like, that's another reason why it's so important to me to, like, rep my hood because it's, like, I've gotten so much of my identity, so many layers of my identity from there not just like the physical not just the physical space but like the culture that's been built there there's definitely a lot of black people black and brown people people of color in Jane and Finch that make what I consider to be like alternative mm-hmm. art but what you see are like the pressas, the LBs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Up top versus down bottom. And that's just because of, like, what is considered to be, like, mainstream and popular. My grandma used to live in Up Top, which is, like, Jane and Driftwood, like, Pressa side mm-hmm. of Finch, for those who are looking <laughs> for the the Toronto map. This is Pressa side of Jane and Finch. So my grandma used to live up there, and um, my mom, when my mom was growing up in Jane and Finch, those times... She had, like, a pretty rough experience because my grandma was, like, you know, like, a little bit on her mud mud tip, Mm. you know, like, Mm -hmm. just doing what she had to do to get it done, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Things that people might say is, like, typical to, you know, like, the hood experience. I just feel like if I chat my grandma's business, she's going to come talk to me in a dream. Today, (laughs) (laughs) you're on people really, I tell them, say, we did not sell drugs and things. 
<laughs> nah, but um, no, seriously, yeah, like you know, yeah, my yeah. grandma was on her grizzle, right. and you know, my mom was with her, and I was with my mom, so like you know, it's just all kind of bled into my experience, you know, and like um, yeah, my mom grew up with like, or my while I was growing up, rather, my mom like had a lot of like um issues with mental health and like addiction alcoholism because of how my grandma's house was so yeah it really like had an effect on how I saw things one of these unspoken things and something that I'm really trying to unpack for myself right now is uh, a lot of people who do creative stuff come from creative environments Mm -hmm. and it's almost like that's taken for granted and I didn't and so I'm trying to I always feel like I'm playing catch up so I grew up uh, around a lot of music so like my mom would listen to like all her contemporary stuff right (laughs) while my grandparents that feels like a very Jamaican vibe as well though you know what I mean like the Celine Dion type whatever whatever and like my grandparents played like the very bass heavy old stuff so like the ska like you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and then my uncle Harvey is the one who kept me like up to date with what was current so if it was current hip-hop if it was current dance hall I was always creative on my own though like Mm. in elementary school I was always in plays and like choir and like um when did you when did you start making music I started making music seriously in high school okay yeah I started making music seriously how long ago was that oh my god no you're so young like 10 years ago okay 11 years ago grade nine so yeah man's wearing baggy pants and (laughs) t-shirts with spray paint bugs buddy right yeah most of my high school life i was using my music to like maintain some like level of control um oh over what over like everything that was happening like in high school like I spent a lot of time in like detention centers and in group homes mm. and shit like that I never really thought about pursuing art seriously until like much much later so when did that happen I was definitely still pursuing my diploma when I said okay like I'm gonna perform and do this for real um maybe grade 11 okay maybe grade 11 I was actually in a studio program at Harborfront, and um, Ayo Sotio mm-hmm. was one of the people running the program, and that's the first time I recorded like a real song. And the way that Ayo gassed me up, yo dog, she came in the studio, slapped ninety bars, no stopping. What, yo, she's fire. You know, I was I was a hot head back then, so I only ever got one song done in the studio. But it was either that or being like a supervisor at a call center. So, walk me through your path. I put out my first project when I was nineteen, a mixtape called Public Intoxication. And, like, a week later, I I got pregnant, had my daughter named Kafaya, and I kind of went on, like, a rat maternity leave, baby mama hiatus, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I was, like, really blocked up artistically, like, mm. nothing. While you were pregnant? After. After I had Kafaya. I was pretty creative- I was pretty creative during my pregnancy, but I was also really, like, um, reclusive. Like, I really wasn't 
trying to see nobody. I wasn't going anywhere. I did like a one-two show. I think I I actually did the Unity Festival. There was like a co- like a rap competition or something like that, and like I won the the studio equipment. It's a great story wow. to tell my daughter. Like, yeah, I was six months pregnant and I smacked these boys and. I wasn't doing anything for about two years after I had my daughter. And then, like, I made, like, a one-two track with Tika, made a one-two track with McCallaman. Um, So I started to get, like, my feet wet again, like, artistically. Yeah, then I started working on Stillwater, which is the EP that I dropped last year. You're naked, you touch me, my body is falling apart A damn near work of art, a manipulation To acquire some stimulation, just a simulation of our love There's no glitch in this real so fluid Come and feel so on my body So you put out a mixtape, it's yeah. called Triple Nine Yes, thank you for calling it correctly I read it on your Twitter <laughs> It's me doing my journalism job Right uh, So tell, tell me about it So Triple Nine is where I grew up in Jada Finch 2999 Jane Street. Don't go there. It is a mixtape, nine tracks, um, with all 90s house beats um, that I borrowed from the internet. I took them, copy-pasted that YouTube link, and did the damn thing without having to wait on anybody to make them. I think, like, that idea of a DIY artist gets really romanticized if it's, like, a white singer-songwriter who's like I don't know playing around with machines or Mm -hmm. their guitar or whatever but it's different when a DIY independent artist looks like you I do everything myself everything myself I mean like give thanks for the people in my community who like you know support me in whatever ways they're able to but I do basically everything myself Pacing myself is really, like, the number one thing. Like, I'm very much aware of the resources that I have, Mm -hmm. which is not that many. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't kill myself over what I'm not able to do. I want to make sure that what I'm making is as good as it can be, especially considering that I don't have the resources to make what I want to make to the level that I want to make it anyway. My grandma as greasy as she was like she was pretty like fucked up you know what i mean like she like god rest her soul i love you so much grandma but you know she was pretty fucked up you know like she suffered from alcoholism and my mom suffered from alcoholism shout out to my mom my mom's been five years sober so just want to shout her out but um you know and like just so much abuse and trauma and like fucked up shit and like i've had my own share of it but the fact that i'm able to take care of myself and my daughter with my art doing something that I want to do like I'm very 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 blessed so I'm not really watching time or Mm -hmm. in terms of resources it's like how are you paying for this stuff (laughs) and how are you paying for yourself and your time right your time is it's out of pocket Mm -hmm. working with people who are not gonna like you know, get up my ass about the fact that 
I'm supposed to pay this $200 for the session. And like, you know, I only have 150 this week. So I'm going to have to send you back that 50 next week. And it's really hard because like Toronto is so deeply immersed in like classism mm. and like issues of oppressing people with like money that like I can't really afford to be around people who make me feel small because of what I don't have. Mm -hmm. So if I'm recording my music, I'm probably recording it in my boy Jordy's crib where I know he's not going to give me shit. I just think that's an important question because I don't think people really understand. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's an issue of like places that have a huge divide between like the rich and the poor and like Toronto is having like this huge like housing crisis gentrification you know what I mean and it's all tied to wealth and you know most artists are not like rolling in dough but there's artists who are rolling in resource you know what I mean while there's yeah. other people who are not it's just like social uh, currency mm -hmm. I guess you know like right now it's very interesting to see all of the brands like coming in and but but what does that actually translate to you know exactly. it's, it's opportunity I, I suppose but if they're not paying for your studio time or your album promo then like actually all the rest is still on you you know right I mean if Nike wants to give me shoes so I can chop them on Kijiji <laughs> then send on <laughs> Closing in on an obsession. Consumer culture keeps me justified. Touch my tongue and taste the lies. A lot of who the fuck this is and always questioning. Where you at and mentioning. Trapped inside my morality. Augmented reality. I'm a vicious ending in someone's tragedy. The love I'm going to quote what you said on Twitter. Which I thought was, I just thought it was really important. And I thought it tied in kind of nicely with the point of this podcast. Which is talking about building like a sustainable arts career. So you said... Triple um, Nine is where I grew up in Finch, but it also represents the ending of cycles. The concept of home for this project is care for my community, knowledge, consciousness, etc. I'm committing my art more to myself and less to what I feel my responsibilities are as an artist. I feel restricted by my complex identity. Triple Nine, uh, nine, I was going to say nine, nine, nine. Triple <laughs> Nine is my farewell note to my hood and love letter to my inner child, promising to bring things good that'll last long after I return home. So there's a lot there. Um, but let's start with this idea of kind of needing to walk away from home a bit in mm -hmm. order to be your full artistic self. Mm -hmm. <sighs> I feel like being conscious you know, sharing knowledge, information. It's really important to me. I feel like it's it's important to being an artist. The whole reason why I started to make music and make art was to purge. And not just purge parts of myself that I feel are okay or acceptable or people will not, like think I'm bad for when I refer to home in my tweets like I more mean home in the sense of like I'm c comparing home to consciousness like this higher minded type thing and like me needing to walk away from that in terms of you know I've always 
been like put into boxes as a rapper it's either like you're a conscious rapper or you're not either you're talking you're saying something that is of value or you're talking shit and like I feel like I haven't given myself enough space to talk shit I don't display just one side of myself to people but I feel like my music does Mm -hmm. and I've been fighting like really hard with like I was beating around the bush but it's really just like how I separate like my consciousness from like my sexuality and not separating the two my first mixtape tape is called public intoxication and basically the whole the whole idea of that is like people the general public being under this like under the influence type thing and like how they perceive things because of that like i don't know how familiar you are with like <laughs> the, the wormhole that is conscious community and conscious rap in toronto but like there was a lot of like older heads that were just like what are you encouraging calling your mixtape public intoxication? What are you? And on the internet, I was just like, fuck you. Like, what do you know? Listen to the project. Like it was just me being like, you know, cute. There's not one way to be conscious artistically. Mm -hmm. And like a hotep would disagree with you. Right. (laughs) That's what it was. It was literally like some hotep older heads. Like I'm like 18, 19. These niggas is like, 30 like let me rap like leave me alone (laughs) the amount of times i've heard a variation on on that story is like ridiculous i mean you are talking about home as this kind of your i guess your former ideas of your artistic self but you Mm. did say you know it's a farewell note to my hood and i'm wondering if like in some ways you feel a bit confined like geographically or spatially Mm -hmm. It's hard being an artist in Toronto and like I've put enough work in here. I've put enough work in on my block for me to not, for me to be able to go and come back and not be treated like an outsider. And I feel like especially when you're of a community that's been displaced where like you know displacement is part of your narrative you don't want that you don't want you want to you don't want to be displaced from exactly from where you are placed (laughs) from displacement you know and like that's a thing in like communities of color where it's just like oh okay well you were born in jamaica and you went to foreign and you came back to jamaica you are now a foreigner what mm-hmm. <laughs> no that's not the case you know like mm-hmm. and that's like a that's a fear of mine i'm not necessarily like tired of my hood or like tired of being there i just yeah i just want different experiences for myself for my family like i would love to like move my mom off of the Jane. Not even, like, I don't need to move her into no fancy dance. Just to the Italian houses? Just to the Italian houses on the, one of those bungalows off of Arletta and Shepherd, like, you know? I think one thing, like, having spent a bit of time this year kind of in and out of the city, and when you leave, it, it kind of opens up possibilities. Yeah, I think about moving 
all the time. <laughs> like, I mean, my dream city is Montreal. So <laughs> 514, here I come. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it's the, it's the inability to like branch out and make connections in Toronto that makes it so impossible. Like in places like Montreal that often gets compared to Toronto culturally, I've experienced it myself and I've been told by other people that just the climate of the culture is different. They're a lot more open. They're a lot more welcoming. And there's so many things that very logically play into that. You know what I mean? I talk all, I always mention, you know, classism being like the foundation of so many problems in this city. You know what I mean? And like, just not being able to connect with people. I would never leave Toronto. I would, listen, little Italian house, back road to Jane Strip. Mm. I know so many people who've done it already, you know what I mean? Who work in whatever industry that they work in, you know, and they basically were able to buy themselves a nice house in the hood that they grew up in. I, that's a dream of mine. Just being in other places and seeing like how organic the community is the communities are built and how organically they're run. Yeah, it just... Yeah, it feels a lot easier to make things happen in other places, which is so unfortunate. Because, I mean, where am I going to go make it pop? In Halifax? I mean, I love Halifax. They were super popping, but there's like 50 people there. Okay, not 50 people. Thanks for listening to Burnout. For now, I'm doing three episodes and that's it. So if you like it, subscribe to the newsletter at anupa.substock.com. That's A-N-U-P-A. And if you want to hear more, please let me know. You can find my email address in the newsletter.